Good evening, and welcome to Mile High Podcast. As always, we're your hosts tonight. We'll be telling you tales of drugs, pop culture, and using the word fuck a lot. Now remember, marijuana can be dangerous. Don't hurt yourself or your loved ones, but subscribe. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. I am James Thomas, and this is the... I didn't pay attention. Episode 9. Episode 9 of the Mile High Podcast. Oh, see? It's on Dave's outline. James, would you like to tell us how amazing this outline looks this evening? Well, thus far when I saw it, I I looked at it, and I was like, wow, three pages. And then that's... As far as no, I it's got. stunning, and it's in, in pure outline form. Yep. Yeah. The solid dots, Nancy loves the that. hollow dots, it's perfect. Okay. So it is an outline. It's, a, it's, a, it's exactly... It's got a header. You would be amazed. So those of you who came over from the uh, live uh, Facebook thing, it, welcome. I'm glad that you sat there and watched it. Uh, just so you know, at that point we were smoking uh, from Starbuds, which is uh, not my favorite place to go. But I won some money at a casino, and I was like, I'm going to buy the good weed. And so I did. And this is Jabberwocky. Jabberwocky. It is a sativa, and it is total THC 33.1%. Nice. And we were smoking it out of the new bong that was introduced. If you didn't see it, look on our pictures, look on our video. We need help with the names. We have a few names. A lot of them are comic book based. We got the Green Arrow. We've got... Poison Ivy, we've got uh, the Hulk, and we've got... Beaker. Beaker. So, throw something else out there if you want to. But, now that I'm saying welcome, Mile High Podcast, we've been doing this for a minute now, so you know all of us. Nancy, of course, is here with us. Dave is here with us. Chris, we will probably hear from soon, yeah. I hope. I think I think it's there's exciting. a very... Yeah, yeah. We, we should see him in a little while. Um, he was out uh, hunting the Yeti in the Himalayas, wasn't yes, he? Yes. Any Yeti luck? mics. Yeti. He's out ca- capturing Yeti mics. Yeah, let's promote Yeti. Yeti. It's the best mic out there. When you think of good mics, think of the non-American Bigfoot. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So, what we're going to do, we're going to start off and uh, we're going to give our love to the people who helped us with Unnamed Bong here, uh, 710 Pipe. <laughs> you need the business card? I, I need the business card again. <laughs> seven pipes. ten. Seven, seven ten pipes. It seven. is seven ten pipes. They have three locations in the Denver area. You can email them at seven ten pipes at gmail.com. Find them on Instagram on at, at seven ten pipes or Facebook seven ten pipes. Thank you, seven ten pipes. Yes, and one day you'll know what the name of this bond will be. Maybe we'll announce it next week if any of if we get some votes. If not, we're just gonna have to decide. Um but what we're going to do is we're going to start with what we watch this week, but we're going to be very specific. So what we're about to do, we're about to discuss El Camino. We all watched El Camino. We were all fans of Breaking Bad. Um, but it's a show that's worth watching without being spoiled. And so uh, in just a second, I will uh, give you a time code of where you need to skip to so you don't have to hear our El Camino conversation. Because uh, there will be tons of spoilers. Yeah. So, with that, El Camino. Uh, For those of you who don't know, El Camino is the continuation of the Breaking Bad story. It's the continuation of Jesse's story, Walter White's assistant, you know, kind of in his mind a kid. Like, 
he was a, his apprentice. You know what I mean? He is literally... So it's the continuation of his story from the end of Breaking Bad where he has escaped from the white supremacist with the help of Walt uh, with a pretty cool machine gun. Yeah, blowing some uh, fucking Nazis up yeah. with a military-grade machine gun. Yeah. That's pretty... I said it a couple episodes ago that I thought that Breaking Bad was one of the best um, concluding episodes of a series. And this movie just really brought that back up. Like, I looked back at how great that last season was, but especially how great that last episode was. Yeah, I really feel like I find that I usually am disappointed in finales of shows because they don't wrap everything up well. I know it's hard for them to do. I'm not criticizing. I don't know that I could do it. But Breaking Bad, the only thing they didn't wrap up for me in a satisfactory way was specifically the Jesse story. Because I loved him so much. I mean, who doesn't, you know? But I loved him so much, and he just left crying like the bitch he calls all of us. And it made me so sad to not see him live another day. Uh, Yeah, I thought it it was, and and it's great, because it picked up right after it took off. And they did something that uh, they were always very good at, and it's those extra characters. It's, uh, you know, it's Skinny Pete, it's Badger, it's... uh, like the the uh, escape guy, the guy who gets people. Out. It's people that they've established throughout character. It's knock off Matt Damon. I'm not. Yeah. Yeah, oh my god! I'm so glad you said that. I fucking I can't see past that. It even sounds like Matt Damon yeah. too. Yeah, I, he did an episode of the uh, of Black Mirror. It was a great episode of Black Mirror. Oh yeah. He's still knock off Matt Damon. It's really it just it messes my head. That uh, nobody's gonna know who you're talking about. They will. It's oh, you, yeah, if you watch the show, I'm sure you know Knock Off Matt Damon. Yeah, he's very clearly Knock Off Matt Damon. I bet if you looked up Knock Off Matt Damon in Google, that's who would come up, is that dude. But <laughs> that's that's the weird story. The weirdest part about that, and I really enjoyed it all around, and that part of the story, I think, of anything surprised me, that I enjoyed as much as I did, is his time being spent with uh, Chad, I'm going to call him Chad. Seems like the right name. For the record, James is right. If you Google knock off Matt Damon, <laughs> the first actor that comes up is Jesse Plemons, yeah. I believe. Yeah, look. Yeah, looks just like a knock off Matt Damon. So yeah. there you go. Yeah, Google knows everything. So yeah, knock off Matt Damon. But yeah, that was the weirdest part of the, the whole thing for me. I enjoyed it more than I expected it to, the yeah. development of their relationship. Uh but uh, all all over, I think it was I think it was good. I thought we got to see some of our you know characters that we love to get in everything. Yeah, that scene with Walter White at the diner. Yeah, and it was like literally taken out of right after the first episode because they yep. showed the RV all shot to shit, and just how impactful that that one scene is. It like really kind of brought everything yeah. back together, the whole relationship where they are now. Well, one's dead, one's on to Alaska, but. I mean, one thing that really struck me about the, the movie was Jesse wasn't in it to get rich and get the fuck out of there. He just wanted to get out of there and leave his ghost behind. So when he went to the welding shop and he just like, I'm not going to rob you. I just want 1800 bucks. That's all I fucking need. He didn't want to have to blow those dudes away. He just wanted his $1,800 yeah. and get us far away from this bullshit life in New Mexico. And, uh, you know, that was... You know, he just wanted to get the fuck out. And it was such a satisfying end when he is driving along that highway after uh, he got up to Alaska. You know, it was a really satisfying end. It was 
you know, complimentary to the really good end that they had in the show. Was that where Walt went? Did he go to the same place? Was no, Walt he was in or? New Hampshire, I believe. Was he in New Hampshire? I, yeah, I don't, don't quote me on that, yeah. but I'm yeah. pretty sure. Google knows. Yeah, Google knows. Google that shit. Actually, yeah. GTS, we're uh, going to trademark that. <laughs> Google, GTS. GTS. Google that shit. Yeah, no, I thought it was I thought it was all around good. There were a couple things that, I, that I'm now that, you know, I had seen it, I will be picking on. Specifically, the scene at the the one that you were talking about. Here's my only problem with that scene is that Jesse uh, was never that clever. Be you know what I mean? And so here, so here's where I have to. I to mean, we've seen years of life lessons thrown at Jesse though. He, just, gets, he gets his moment. Yeah, and well, that's just what it is. It has to be a growth thing. If, if this is saying Jesse being locked up all that time learned and realized the things that Walt had been trying to tell him the whole time and, and kind of got it, then fine. That part makes sense. But other than that, it was not a very Jesse-esque clever move. He usually does dumb moves. He's pretty dumb most of the time. Yeah. I think he had to have his moment. He had to get it. Because you're right. He's never that good at that stuff. But it was the same with his struggle with his parents where he wanted his aunt's house and he had to, like, secretly buy it, you know, and he had told the realtor that they were selling or that meth was made in the basement or whatever so that he could get it at a cheaper price and everything. And then he kind of, like, at that moment, he did outsmart them. So every once in a while, he does kind of come up with something. So speaking of that house, Pepsi. it's the taste of a, next, of a new generation. Is it that is. That new generation new, is old now. Uh, <laughs> I, you know, yeah, that generation's smoking weed on a fucking podcast right now. I that saw, generation. Yeah. They were smoking <laughs> weed back then, too. Um, I tried to make that subtle, but cans don't a, open no subtle. subtle we got two fucking For the record, I have mics. one coming up in a little bit, too. <laughs> like, so. if you were stuck in a bin in a cave and a bunch of bearers were hibernating, <laughs> and, like, all you could drink were sodas, <coughs> but they were cans, and you had to open them, would you do that? Like, you're just surrounded, like, by bears, and you're like, fuck, I need to get out of here, but they have to roll over first. But I'm dying of thirst. Here's a soda. You know if you open that in a cave, that's just going to echo up here. It's going to wake up. How many sodas do you have? Uh, four. All right. You sacrifice one soda. You open You shake it up. Open it up. Throw it at the end of the, the cave so all the bears go to that one. And you're like, quick, pop it up. Drink it. Bears are distracted. Yeah, but if you're surrounded by bears, you think the, the, like the, the ones that are near the soda can are going to chase... But well, the other ones are gonna be like, whoa, whoa! I, I get that I heard a loud explosion and everything, but who the fuck are you, and why are you in my cave? This is one of the weird tangents we've got on on this show. Oh yeah, yeah, Breaking Bad. Yeah, um, yeah no. Hey, hey, there's grizzly bears in Alaska. See, uh, it all see, fucking comes back around. There's a complete circle. And there's bears in New Hampshire, which, for the record, Dave was correct yes. about. Good all right, job. Yeah. There you go. There you go. The letter at the end. It was money to that kid, right? But I don't understand why he didn't send any money to Walter's ex-wife. Because I didn't like her, but she, I mean, she's still raising what's his name. And, yeah. and I think they she, have their own yeah, stash. Yeah. I thought they were kind of broke. No, he left it with those rich people, that his rich people friends. At yeah. The oh, that's right. Okay. Never mind. Some deep diving, bringing bad shit here. But here's my, here's my problem. Oh, here's the other thing I want to pick on. You knew 12 minutes into that movie... Or maybe five, where he was gonna, how it was gonna end. He was gonna be in Alaska because of his conversation with Mike. Yep. And this is just something that gets me as a 
<clears throat> person who watches movies a lot, you know, like foreshadowing, that was a kind of a... <laughs> yeah, that was too on the nose. Yeah. It was, something about where it was set in the movie, like, it wasn't a passing thing. It literally, that entire scene with Mike was set up for do two things. One, show Mike, and two, say, hey, go to Alaska. That was they it. They could have left it at head up north, get away. Yeah. I think Mike is such a great character. Yeah, uh, he is. Even in uh, Breaking Bad, he really gets... Or not Breaking Bad, in uh, Better Call Saul. Yeah. He really gets a spotlight on him, which is fantastic. I think that dude's amazing. I can't remember what his name is, so I'm looking up on IMDb, which IMDb is right up there with Google, one of the most amazing inventions yeah. of all time. How many times when we were growing up, we're like... Who the fuck is that actor in that one fucking movie? Now you have that shit at your fingertips. No, that took, away my, that took away my best skill. Useless memorization <laughs> of pop culture. But you uh, can say it before we can Google it still, so there's that's that. That's true. That's Until true. Until we get to like 10G networks, and then you might be SOL. Jonathan Banks plays Mike Armin, Armin Trout. That's a hard fucking last name. But that dude's an amazing actor, and yeah. he's what a great character. Yeah. Too it? bad they didn't have fucking Saul in there. I'm sure they, I thought they would have for sure had Saul somewhere in there. No, but didn't he bounce out before the end of that? He bounced out before the end yeah, of the world. Yeah, but they also had dead. flashbacks yeah, of everybody. Yeah, Almontrout's dead. Ermintrout. They had way more of knockoff Matt Damon. They did have. Yeah. That's so, tough when his weight changes as much as it did from the last one. That's, yeah. the, that's the one problem with bringing people back to do other things. Like, I like Wet Hot American Summer. Super funny movie, and Netflix made two, sequ- uh, two TV shows of it. Uh, first day of camp and last day of camp. Great cast. It's got Amy Poehler. It's got Paul Rudd. It's got a shit ton of other. Uh, Ju- uh, Michael Ian Black's in it. Fucking uh, Rocket from Guardians of the Galaxy is in it. And uh, Bradley Cooper. Yeah. Really? Wow. That's a good. Point. I like how I yeah. reference that as Niles uh, <laughs> uh, from Frasier. It's a great movie. But they made the first day of camp t- like. 15 years after they made the first movie. So nobody's their exact same size, and it makes no sense, and they're yeah, super old. I'm always confused great. about the timeline on that show, yeah. to be honest. So, so I think this is a good place to welcome back our listeners who uh, were telling they're avoiding the spoilers. So uh, yeah, we, we, we didn't really give any spoilers. By now you know that Walt shows up, so... Ah, I gave us boiler leave. That, that was the one thing I was trying to hide from people. I think everybody knows out there. So, before we go into the other thing, Jesse, do you want to see him again? No, I think they wrapped it up well. So, no other movie. Jesse doesn't need to come back. And like he's young, man. I get it. He's going and enjoying Alaska. But Jesse can get fucking bored super quick. Yeah, but it could fall to the same trope that we keep talking about. Like the story is really good. It ended really well. Yeah. You know, you have more chances of fucking it up if you tr- keep going. You know, what or what kind of story are they really going to tell? Is he going to start cooking meth in Alaska? Everybody fucking cooks meth in Alaska. Right. It's like the number one state for meth in the fucking world. So. Yeah, no, I think it, much to the same, you know, I- ideals. It's just, it's, it's let it leave on a high note. I mean, the great thing about that show has always been that I always wanted more at the end of every episode. And I know that if they keep giving it, it just, it you stop valuing it. So it's 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 good where it is. What about a Badger and Skinny Pete movie? Yeah. 
No. Well, again, because that's just Jay and Silent Bob with math. Wow, that's a really good segue into what I'm going to be talking about next. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, well, we're going to actually use that segue we, before we do that. I'm going to break the segue. That's I, not using a segue uh, at all. I that's unsegueing. A segue. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm unsegueing because we're, we're going to promote. Give a shout out. Yeah, yes. you're going to give a shout out. What are you smoking and who is it from? Well, you're holding the container, <laughs> so I don't remember. It is Dutch Treat Haze. And this is a pre-roll that I actually, I went and bought. It's, uh, I went to the Silver Stem Fine Cannabis Shop. It is in Northfield on Quebec and 53rd. So if you're familiar with that area at all, there's like a liquor store next to a truck stop gas station thing. You pull into that liquor store and it's hidden. They have like these signage laws for the weed store. I don't know if it's because of the industry, but it's very hard to see. It's a green door on the back of the building with no sign. It looks locked. Just walk in. You're going to feel uncomfortable. It's bright green, though. That's how you know. So, um, and I talked to Chase there, and he was really, really sweet. So he hooked me up with a 15% off, which they are offering to anybody on their first visit if you sign up for their little membership thing, which is free to do. So it's definitely worth stopping by. Yeah, if you're in the area, stop by. We like promoting these more local shops, especially when the advertising, you can't fucking put your signs and shit out there. Yeah, that's you know, we're, Let's get as many people there as we possibly can. Right, And their yeah. shit's really good because we're fucking blazed and we're only like 20 minutes into the show. Yeah, and there aren't that many shops in that area. Well, I guess there are now on the other side of I-70, but in the Commerce City side, there is not, so... Do you like the mom and pop things or do you do you want the convenience of in like 15 years to go? I a balance of both. Okay. Yeah, that's a really good way to put it. Right, like an ABC liquor or a... There are times when I want to splurge and buy, you know, a more higher-end product of anything. And then there's other times when I just want the dollar store version. Right. And I don't want to wait, you know, in line or whatever. Or it's open, like Rocky Road. <laughs> if it's open still, it's probably Rocky Road. All right, and moving on, Dave gets to tell us, because we didn't get to see it, uh... Jay and Silent Bob reboot. I've got to say, outside of Mallrats, Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back is probably one of my favorite as far as will enjoyly watch and laugh <coughs> through the whole thing. I was not super psyched by the the trailers, and I know you love Kevin Smith. So honestly, is it a great movie? Is it a good movie? Is it's like okay, a lot of this is my fanboy giving it credit. What is it? Yeah. So. First of all, the reason why you guys didn't get to go, it was a one-night event. Um, Kevin Smith partnered with um, Fathom Events, the people who put, like, operas on at movie theaters. Um, They hooked up together with Kevin Smith to do a a two-night premiere of Reboot. So the first night, they had a bunch of, like, interviews and shit after um, we live-feeded Kevin Smith in the theater uh, with our premiere. And then the second night was a double feature of uh, Strikes Back and then Reboot. So, um, I did a video from there. I've been a huge Kevin Smith fan for a really fucking long time. Um, like I said in the video, I, I've known, I met him a couple years ago, and he really, you know, in 30 seconds helped me become an author, become a podcaster. You know, he has that ability on you. So, I'm going into this movie, um, just a fucking huge Kevin Smith fan. And if you're a huge Kevin Smith fan, there's nothing about this movie you're not going to like. Okay. This movie is, it's fucking... Everything about Kevin Smith, he has cameos from his friends that he's made in, like, Marvel. Like, Chris Hemsworth had a, a killer fucking uh, cameo. And then he has his podcaster friends, because he's, 
you know, most people these days know him only as a podcaster versus a director. So he has people from his podcast that are doing cameos. So he's bringing his whole world. And on top of that, he put not only a really funny story together, uh, but also a really touching. It's about, you know, growing up without a, a family and then trying to learn how to become, you know, a dad. And um, really, a really good fucking movie. I really, really enjoy the fuck out of it. And I know I'm seeing it through rose-colored glasses. Um, but I really like the fucking movie, so I really recommend it when it, uh, releases in November, um, to go and see it. And if not, go and get on demand, I'm, or it'll be on demand early. Okay, so, like, so, like, I'm just gonna shoot out some Kevin Smith movies to you, and you tell me if you think this is, this is better than that one, or the one I quoted as you is better than that one. Clerks. Um, better. It's this, better than Clerks? And it, they do a fucking killer cameo with the Clerks, because it's... They go to... I'm going to give a little bit of spoilers here. I know you guys haven't seen it, and I, I know you don't care about spoilers, Nancy. Nope. Um, but he, he... They go to this thing called Chronicon, which is a knockoff of Comic-Con. Cool. But based over uh, Chronic and Bluntman. Bluntman and Chronic. Yeah. So they have a, a pop culture panel, and it's a Clerks anniversary. And so Jalen and Silent Bob obviously were in Clerks. And so they go to this panel, and it reverts back to the 1990s um, style of filmmaking... That he did with Clerks. It was, it was really okay. fucking clever. It was pretty funny. But nice. I still think it's funnier than Clerks. All right. Okay. And I, it, it's funnier than Clerks, and it's funnier than Clerks, too, so we don't need to ask that. Uh, Mallrats. Um, probably not as funny as Mallrats. I love fucking Mallrats. Oh, a what movie. a great movie. Yeah. Nancy doesn't like that movie. Yeah, so, and a lot of people don't. But it, 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 uh, Kevin Smith. And it, if you love Kevin Smith, then you love Mallrats. See, you know who carries The weird thing is, I I mean, I guess I don't love Kevin Smith. I like all of his other, everything else. For some reason, that movie just didn't click with me. I'm not sure why. See, I like that. I mean, Ben Affleck plays really great in that movie. Everything about that. Jason, uh... Lee. Lee. Yeah, Jason Lee is Brody. That's his first movie. Yeah, absolutely wonderful. Shannon Doherty is great. You yeah, know. and that was the time when she was like pinnacle nine hundred two one zero fame, and she did this tiny little movie, and I think she killed it. You yeah. know what? Yeah. I got I got to admit, we watched I watched nine hundred two one zero. Yeah, we watched the nine hundred two one zero reboot. Uh-huh. Shannon Doherty still kills it. She's, She's she is. That it. whole show was pretty good. I mean, I if you have to be a nine hundred two one zero fan, I think, to totally appreciate it. But the concept is good. They're just making fun of the own, their own. You know, kind of tabloid stories. So, but yeah, you were to, talking about um, that was one of your favorite shows of the summer. Yeah, oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Shannon Doherty kills it. Just look at that memory. Yeah, that yeah. memory. Yeah. Holy shit. The Mall Rats association with that. Okay, so, um, so chasing me, Amy. Um, it's funnier than chasing Amy. Yeah. Chasing Amy was more heartwarming, mm-hmm. but I mean, like he pulls his whole universe into this movie. So there's the one of the best scenes is um, a Ben Affleck cameo. And it's, uh, they're doing a comic book panel with Joey Lauren Adams from Chasing Amy. So it's Ben Affleck and Joey Lauren Adams um, and their characters from Chasing Amy coming to do this comic book panel. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, Ben Affleck in the movie has, uh, his character just had a little kid and he's talking about what it's like to be a father and, you know, come into fatherhood and stuff. Um, it, he, it's a great fucking character and that scene is great. I mean, it's like... Really good movie. So, I think, I would say my favorite Kevin Smith movie is fucking the walrus movie, Tusk. Because it's such a crazy, weird fucking horror movie where it turns a dude into a, a walrus. 
Um, and then I'd probably say Dogma, and then I'd say this one right underneath. I fell asleep the first time I saw Dogma. I like Dogma, but it's just... I really like Dogma. Yeah. I think it might be my favorite. It's clever. It's a clever movie. Yeah. He's a clever writer, for sure. Yeah. He's a good, he's a good director. He directs a lot of uh, DC <laughs> TV. Um, okay, he so loves yeah. that shit. Yeah. If you ever listen to him, he fucking loves... Yeah. And he, um, Melissa Benoist is in there. She's a uh, chronic. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure he's going to put his people... He loves Melissa Benoist. He loves Supergirl. Yeah. But, uh... So it's a good show. I love it. Good. Good. So, CJ, Jay and Silent Bob reboot when it comes out. Um, it's funny on this list. I changed... I did El Camino first and... But then it said Nancy. I was like, did we watch something called Nancy? I have no idea. <laughs> you watched my you, movie reality yeah. show? Yeah. So, and then I saw my name, and I was like, oh, yeah, no, I get, I understand. So, Nancy, what did you watch this week? I watched, um, well, I watched The Goldbergs, which, which I, I like. And it's funny because I recently said that I thought that too many of their episodes were the same problem followed with the same solution where their mom gives this guilt kind of speech where she's really hurt. And then they didn't realize they were being jerks to her. And it had been kind of on a wash, rinse, repeat for a while. But they kind of changed it up this time. It was more about her and ah, her husband. Murray. Murray. Murray, thank you. So that was, you know, it was a new topic. That was nice. I appreciated that. I know we all enjoy the Goldbergs. How long does it last? Uh, One more year because next year Adam's a senior in high school. I think that's a great way to end it. Do you watch the spinoff? I watched one episode. I thought it was funny, but definitely not... Funny enough to capture my attention and watch it on a regular basis. There's a few episodes in season it. one where Erica shows up and Barry shows up and I think Beverly shows up. Barry shows up in season two as well. Yeah. Barry's a, Barry will probably out. move into yeah. that show once. Yeah. But it he's isn't the same. Yeah, I love his character. He's And he's, he's killed it. He me, but I, you're right. I yeah. love that character, though. Yeah. He's so frustrating and... The real um, Barry Goldberg is a real fucking doctor. He's like a real smart guy. So like yeah. all the shit that they're doing, like he actually did. It's, so, that's what I love about that show. It's like it's based off of real stuff. Yeah, I don't know if you know this, but Erica is actually in real Eric. life yeah. a third brother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Eric. Yes, and it's funny to me. So well, I wonder, did Eric want to be a singer, a pop singer? Because that's yeah, that's a good question. Erica. Yeah, I wonder. Like, so yeah, no, that's because they like walked George in Michaels there. Type. That's because he probably had it written as three brothers, and he walked in, and a TV producer was like, "Yeah, but we need a sister." Yeah, that's yeah. exactly what they did. No, did. definitely. But yeah. I just thought it was kind of interesting. And she's like the least interesting character on that show. She, I, like I liked her the first couple seasons. I didn't like what they did to her because that didn't make sense for her character the whole time. For her to just be this burnout all of a sudden. You yeah, know? and she she plays the character well. She's funny. Um, I yeah. but just not my favorite character. Yeah. God, I love I love Pops. He's such yes. a you know he's great comedic timing. That guy's a fucking classic. Yes. But another season. Another season. One yeah, more season one more and season that's it. They got yeah eighty six. Yeah. So what's the other thing you watched? Uh, oh, the Good Place. Which is on oh. its actual last season. Yes. And how do you guys? I know Dave, you love the Good Place. You got what do you think about the, it? I I think that uh, I like the introduction of new. Of old characters that we've seen in other places and everything, I feel like the good place is very smart, and I appreciate it. And I like this episode; it was very smart, it was clever, it was all the things I like about the good place. But it's done so consistent in my mind. Part of me wants to reserve judgment for the whole series until I see how it wraps it up because I think 
they have a potential of wrapping it up really good. But this episode in particular, it was it was it was good. I liked seeing Jason grow. Jason was pretty cool, and uh, I liked Chidi and uh, Eleanor. <laughs> the horse. Yeah, that that crazy horse. <laughs> It's so creative. You know, it's so easy to fall into the general sitcom trope of, you know, Will and Grace or whatnot, or even the new Sheldon show. Mm-hmm. But this is so fucking different than any other sitcom that's out there. It's super yes. creative. That fucking horse thing was really funny. Yes. Right. You know, Michael Schur, who uh, created that show, also created Parks and Rec. Um, it just has a really creative, brilliant mind. Yeah, this- there's some timing in the delivery amongst the cast, too. Like, this is a great combination of things there. But, yeah, the horse scene. <laughs> and then Janet later. Janet, I love fucking Janet. <coughs> it was just a little a emotionally good. exhausting. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think Ted Danson on there is fantastic. And I think if Kristen Bell wasn't on the show, if it was some other actress... Ted Danson would be fucking winning all sorts of awards and shit because he is so fucking brilliant on that show. But Kristen Bell not only matches how good he is, but she's even better, I think, in yeah. her character than he is. And that's some really solid acting. I think yes. it's really good. I love that show. I love that they work around the cussing with, like, four yeah. I know some people think it's cheesy, but I just think it's so funny. Oh, yeah, it's cheesy. They, they, I love they, it. It's I, perfect cheesy. Yeah, exactly. It's the perfect amount of cheese. Yes. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, and it's not pandering. It's just good. And it's, that's such a sci-fi trick, too, because sci-fi yeah. usually creates an alien word or anything to represent it. Like, if you watch Farscape, it was fracking. No, that was BS. Oh, Battlestar, Battle yeah. Ugh. Battlestar Galactica. That's yeah. a good show. So, but they, that's how they got away with doing profanity and everything. But this one's smart. It's clever. It's a good way to do it. I want to tell you something. So, I have written a couple books. and you know, This is not me bragging to James and Nancy, but... You've written, written books? I've written wow. books. That has been read by maybe two dozen people. But, I've known uh, you all this time. This is the first time hearing it. Yeah, so if you're listening to the podcast for the first time, I've written a couple of science fiction books uh, now available on Amazon under Race Through Space by David Hawk. Nice. Um, Good promotion, Dave. I had to fucking come up with alien names, names of alien civilizations, right, right. and I had to fucking come up with an alien language. And that shit is super fucking tough. Coming up, Because, one, you have to have rhythm in the talking you can't just put like a bunch of random words like you're a fucking monkey hitting a keyboard right you actually have to like come up with rhythm and then you have to base it off of something so i'm like who do you know these characters are kind of like native americans so their fucking crazy alien language is gonna have like a native american like sound and feel to it but it's all made up shit See? it's hard to do so when people do it they, and they do it well um it's very impressive well that'd be funny if you uh we're just writing, and then you start looking back and reading your book. You're like, fuck, that's just German. <laughs> I just wrote German. You know, did I make up German? That'd fuck, be hilarious. Yeah, I was in German for three years in high school, and I remember Derek Kugel-Schreiber, uh, Donka Shane, and Bitte Shane. And that's pretty much the extent of three years of German. I remember uh, middle school German. So, and that's, if, if I met somebody named Mariana... I could totally have a conversation because it'd be like, Guten Tag! And it's like, Tag, Mariana, wie geht es dir? And that's, that's where school goes with German in my head on that. Um, so, did you watch anything else interesting this week? Survivor. Uh, but I don't know if anybody else here is in no, that. I don't. Yeah, no. We can skip past Survivor. Yeah, no, that's fine. What did you watch, James? So, I watched... 
Something that I, I, like Kevin Smith, I'm a huge fan of. Strangely enough, not as much Supergirl, but every other thing they're doing. Batwoman, The Flash. Arrow came back for its final season that's going to have like 11 episodes, and it's Crisis on Infinite Earth. And it's that's going to be their crossover at the end of the season, or at uh, the winter break. So between November and December, all the shows are going to cross over, and there's a Crisis on Infinite Earth. But it's starting on Arrow. Like, he's been the first... Earth that is getting destroyed. So he, he's working for the Monitor. He's collecting all these pieces to build something nobody knows yet. But he's on a different Earth. That Earth got, just gets destroyed as he's leaving it. So Crisis on Infinite Earth, which is a great comic book series. If anybody's read any of the comic book series, it's a really good ongoing series. It started, it's on Arrow, where I think they're going to focus most of it until the crossover. But even Flash is touching on it and everything. So this... This is going to be a cool thing coming up. And it, so that started. And the other thing I have to say is I watched a three-hour-long Democratic debate. And I know we don't talk politics a lot, but did you watch a three-hour-long Democratic debate? No, I was at the Jane Silent Bob reboot. Ah, probably a better thing to watch. You yeah. Know, you know, like, they were, they, they were funny, some of them. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, I watched it, but... Oh, we don't touch politics. I didn't think we were going to. Yeah, but I watched it. I watched it, so. It's good to watch debates, you know, even if you're left or right, it's good to watch the debates just to kind of get a general idea, but. Yeah, and I do watch both, you know. I will watch I just wait to see what Facebook says, because I just blindly follow what Facebook says. Yes, that's (laughs) not a good idea. Read your your newspapers. I'm a (laughs) former journalist and a huge newspaper fan, so read your fucking newspapers. What yeah. newspapers do you subscribe to? Um, I subscribe to the Denver Post online, um, and that's it. I'm not paying for anything. Like every free <laughs> yeah. on Facebook, but read read the fucking just get get the coupons from the, your Sunday paper, and that supports uh, a whole week's worth of journalism, and you get the coupon. So you know, seven bucks a month or something like that. That's fine. Journalist, okay. Is journalism as an externalist? Is there are we in a fake news world? No, we're not in the fake news world. There's a lot of sensationalism, but there's still a lot of great journalists out there. Right. But do you, but can, I think, can we distinguish it? Do you honestly believe the person sitting next to you on the bus opening up on their phone can see four different articles, three of which is fake, one of which is real, and they can tell the difference? No. The typical yeah. person? Probably not. Yeah. Is that you weird? To, yeah. Make sure you're looking for thing, stories that have multiple sources. Uh, especially the bigger newspapers have fact checkers that go through and double check all the facts and um, validate the facts with the spot, the um, people who are credited with the story with the quotes and shit. Right. Um, so the more sources you have, the better the article is going to be. Uh, make sure that they're, they put their name on it. You big thing for all these fake news articles is they're going to have like no fucking author to it right. or someone like, Scratchy balls or something. But isn't that but isn't that the part of it that makes it so easy for other people to do? Because isn't that the part that you least care about? How many of you really, when you pull up an article of something that you're half-ass interested in, headline, you know, Kevin Smith something or Real Housewives of whichever season it is right now, um, do you really care who wrote it? No. No, and so you know, people just don't focus on that thing. It's just weird. We didn't grow up that way. Like, no. I remember getting... Newspapers were keen. Right. And news came from a centralized... Well, and instead of Google, you used an encyclopedia, right. and it never changed. People right. couldn't update it. Right. So it was different. 
Yeah, we're, we were. Okay, anyway. we, that was weird tangent. Yeah. Right. No, it, it, it was, it's worth discussing because we are in a weird generation where we are. We were transitioned from an analog to a digital world. And we are, being the ages that we were all sitting around doing a podcast, you know, even Kevin Smith, same kind, he, he transitioned between that time too, where we grew up with analog toys and analog, you know, information. And we had to make it play in a real world. And that's what makes things like this super crazy. Yeah, in this uh, book I'm writing right now, I play with that kind of idea of if you put a kid today with the cell phone generation and you put him in a scenario where he has to fight for his survival, how how would they do? Like, how would they survive? Because if you take, like, take your kids, I'll take my kid, put them in a situation because they're on YouTube, they're playing Minecraft, you know, would they really be able to know enough to survive a disaster? It depends on what they watched. I, I honestly, I, I'll tell you this about kids. This they, they, they will watch things and retain information. Think about it. If you had the one thing that they have is anything that you ever cared about, you have at your fingertips. And think about when you were younger. There were things for whatever reason that you cared about that were super stupid and nobody else understood, but you learned them and you brought them in. If you had access to as much information as they do, they may. My my kids personally always surprise me with what they know. I was like, how do you know that? They're like, we watch this YouTube video, and I'm like, that's pretty fucking impressive. You yeah. know what I mean? So it's they were like eight and six, and they knew the entire periodic elements table by heart because of that song on YouTube. Yeah, it's a great song. I'll Ooh. put a link in the comments and everything. Yes. Um, but yeah, that's that, that's fun. That's that's a neat one because we we live in a different generation, yeah. and we're going to talk about people, and we got to adjust to a new world, and we're going to talk about people now who didn't choose to adjust to the social norms <laughs> as really, laid out. Yeah, so um, I think uh, last week we got into a bunch of different pop culture talk, and we were going to talk about this serial killer that's been in the news a lot. Um, right now, uh, what's his name? I'm trying to find it. Samuel Little. Uh, last couple weeks, the FBI has come out talking about this guy named Samuel Little, who they have claimed is the most prolific serial killer that has ever existed in the United States. And so that kind of got a conversation going with us last week uh, that we didn't get to about, you know, what makes serial killer so fascinating. Because this story is a huge fucking story, and people are really interested on why this old fucking guy, you know, killed 93 people, they think. But people are fascinated. And so I thought, you know, it's Halloween, um... I think serial killers are kind of having their moment, which is kind of weird to say, but there's shows about it, books out. Um, in this, you know, Samuel Little just kind of was right in the middle of all that. You know, serial killers are kind of in fashion, which is a really shitty thing to say. So uh, we kind of decided last week that we're going to talk about some of the most interesting serial killers because, you know, what makes people kill and, you know, what makes them so fascinating. The people that we're going to talk about are evil people that have done evil things. Um, so it's not going to be like a really funny episode, but they're interesting things and they've, they've done interesting, um, lives or they've lived interesting lives. Yeah, no, I, I, yeah, that's exactly what we're doing. I know what I'm agreeing with. It wasn't like you were making an opinion. I'm like, yeah. yes, you're I right beg about, to differ. You're, you're correct about what this the This is talking. going to be hilarious. This will not be serious. Um, I beg to differ, sir. So to be defined as a serial killer, uh, you have to kill more than three people over a couple days. At least a couple days, a couple months, couple. So uh, 
that's what makes these people interesting. This isn't just, you know, you don't get to be a serial killer if you shoot up a school. You're not a serial killer. You're a mass murderer. That's the difference between those two, to a certain degree. Part of the conversation that I wanted to have, because I'm one of the people... um, I'm one of the people that... uh, I'm one of those folks that are really into serial killers. Like, I just annihilate every little bit of serial killer information. Um, And so this topic kind of really interested me. Uh, But one of the things I've wondered is what makes serial killers so fascinating to uh, read about, to watch TV shows, read novels, watch movies and shit? You know, what makes them so fascinating? (laughs) Well, I can tell you one thing about them for me is they're one of the very few horror movie topics that really scare me because they're real. Right? And so there's this curiosity. What makes them tick? What is the sign that you are being lured in by a serial killer and not just being helped with your flat tire by your nice neighbor? You know, you just don't know what what the situation is, and there's some comfort in thinking you know what to look for. So you think it's kind of like the boogeyman aspect where people are like, there's somebody who's evil out there, and this person is evil, so kind of like... There's actual people that could be out there right now that are just as evil. Yeah. I think it's in our nature to feel like if we understand something, we we can control it more, I think. And so there's there's just that. And there's a morbid curiosity factor for sure. I think yeah. it's the loss of inhibitions or social norms. I think people, for the most part, play with... They're, they're inhibited and they follow most social norms. They don't really shake the boat and everything. And like... People get drunk in public or do run streaking through the streets. Break that difference thing. You know, people who live those kind of lives. Not us. Not anymore. We used to be that. We were smoking weed illegally, and we had to get it from a dealer. It was that kind of, you know, that that's difference. But now that it's legal, it's, it's completely different. But I think a complete loss of social norms is fascinating to people. <laughs> Somebody who, who does not follow conviction where you shouldn't kill people. Not only should you not kill people, but you shouldn't repeatedly kill people. I think that part draws somebody in because everybody can probably think about killing a bunch of people, but to, to cross that wall and to do it methodically is what I think draws people in. Somebody's shooting it up, everybody's like, oh, that person's a pussy, I can shoot them too with my gun because we're in America. Somebody methodically hunting you down and chopping you up and... You know, a, a real serial killer. That I think that fascinates people because they don't know what to expect. They're just a dude or a chick. They, that's good, or Dang. somewhere in between. Yeah. Um. So each of us kind of did a little bit of research. We picked a different serial killer that we uh, wanted to learn a little bit more about. There's so many ones, and that's what's fucking horrible about this is like. There are so many serial killers and people that maybe nobody's ever heard of. Uh, there's a bunch of those fucking killers, but we picked the ones that kind of stood out to us. Um, I'm gonna. Que- I have a question for you, though. Before we start, uh, what was something that you learned about your your killer that like really stood out to you? Like now you learned that just like this is the first whatever. Um, well, there were a couple things about it. Mine are kind of easy, though, because mine is the first female story, or the earliest one that I could find anyways. And, um, I don't want to give away spoilers. All right, no spoilers. Um, yeah. No spoilers to old murders. Uh, that he wasn't, that A.J. Charles wasn't really, 
even in the town during uh, the Chicago Fair. I, the, the difference between the, what really happens to H.H. H. Holmes and the legend of H.H. H. Holmes. And so, and just that he was really more of a con man than a killer. I mean, he killed people, but it was, it's weird. The, the deep dive into H.H. H. Holmes was a fascinating thing. I got his real name, but then I forgot that. But that's not his real name. H.H. H. Holmes, believe it or not, is a made name. Yeah. Um, and then one thing that I learned about my guy, who's uh, Rich Ramirez, is usually serial killers are organized, but just the level of disorganization that this guy had, and he got away with it for so long, but he was fucking brutal as shit. So uh, that'll be kind of a rougher story. But, uh, you know, I want to see Nancy picked a really good fucking serial killer to get it started. I mean, like, excellent poll. So who did you get? Okay, I picked Belle Gunness. And actually, an easier answer to your previous question is I learned everything about her because I had not heard of her until this week. So, if you weren't a serial killer like aficionado like I am, like yeah. that, you might not hear about. But Bella fucking Guinness is a really good fucking story. Yeah, she she's very interesting. She was born in like the late eighteen fifties in Norway. Um, her dad was a poor stonemason worker of some kind, and she just kind of had this weird fantasy and obsession with this idea of, like, the American dream and getting a lot of money because, you know, she envied the people that had when she was a have-not. So um, she moved to America in the eight, late 1800s, and she moved to Chicago originally, where she met for her first husband, Mads, Mads Sorensen. Um, they had four kids together. And they had an adopted child as well. So I want you to stop. Everybody needs to uh, Google this lady right now. Not not a real attractive looking lady. No, She's definitely a hard life. It's funny you bring that <laughs> up because there is a point to his his thing. Yeah, it's very interesting. You should look at her pictures. She she's very interesting. <laughs> um, but she has these four kids with him, and and he thinks she's beautiful, and um, they adopt this kid. They don't explain the adoption really very well in what I looked up anyway. So they move to Indiana, and they open up this little candy shop, and they live above it, um, or nearby it, I believe. So the candy store and the house, they both burn down one night. They collect their insurance money, and, you know, it's very odd, but they, you know, they move on. <clears throat> so here's the weird thing. They happen to have had a life insurance policy on the on Mads, Mads Sorensen. We'll call him Mads. Anyway, so Mads has this insurance policy on himself, and he's planning to transition to another one on the advice of his wife. And he's in this moment. There's going to be one day where they gap from the old the old policy into the new policy. It just so happens on this day that he dies. <clears throat> it's pretty suspicious. Though. Yeah, it was very weird. And, you know, the coroner, they... They they have Google. How did he figure that? Think about how much details. Real quick, and I'll let you continue your story. There's two things that, yeah. I, that, that came out to me. Number one, my guy, also in the late 1800s, was a small business owner. Everybody's worried about big business. Two small business owners are super big killers out there. And insurance in the 1800s and early 1900s 
insurance scams were clearly the way for people to live your life. Well, you know what I mean? It's not like they could scan ID- IDs. Yeah. Or, yes. I mean, there was no digital photo yeah, of you on their yeah, files. And great. They had no idea. Yeah. I mean, the stuff she pulls... Listen, I, my great-grandma, she didn't do any of this, just for the record. <laughs> but it, it was... It, she was born in the early 1900s. Right. So around the 1920s, she was a young adult, and she was doing things like getting identifications or being married and getting certificates or whatever. She has, like, eight different years of birth on different documents. When she passed away and we had to go through her stuff, we have no idea how old she is. Our best bet, honestly, is that on Ancestry.com, there was a census from, I think, 1906, and she was registered as five. So we're pretty sure she was born in 1901 because her parents had no reason to lie about her age. But later on, as a young adult and, you know, wanting to seem younger... So, anyway, it was very easy to falsify that shit. Yeah, I was saying, yeah, insurance fraud, yeah. Yeah. Okay, So, she liked getting that money, that was for sure, and then her husband dies on this coincidental moment when he happens to be eligible for both insurance policies. So, the first medic actually did say that he thought it was strychnine poisoning. And um, the second doctor, who I guess was more experienced or older, like a senior doctor, kind of overruled him and said, no, no, it's a heart failure. She collected, in today's money, $217,000 on the husband, plus she got all of his candy store and house fire money. And so... So she hit it big. They, yeah, big time, big time. So they... Uh, let's see. Oh, my notes. <laughs> okay, so in 1901, they moved to Indiana, and they bought a farmhouse. And that happened to burn down. Um... That, was, that would be her and the four kids. And um, that burned down. She got the insurance money, and she meets this guy named Peter Gunnis. So there's the last name, right? And they get married really, really quickly. He's like a widow with a young baby, so he wants a wife right away. And it's interesting, again, look up her pictures because people think she's beautiful. And even the reasons for why they think she's beautiful are crazy. She's six foot five. Think about, like, Holy if you've shit. ever gone to, like, an old-timey house, how small the beds are, because people weren't tall back then. She looked like Will Ferrell. And right, <laughs> right. She's just, she's six foot five, 250 pounds, I believe. But she a was blonde, and she had a wide, <laughs> open, wide smile or something. Yeah, they said. is that what they call it back then? I don't know. It was weird. Look her up. So he marries her really quickly. And, like, a, just a couple days later, his baby dies seven months old, and he dies, and he knows something's up. He's very suspicious. So he immediately sends his other daughter to live with an uncle, um, which I guess was smart. It was unfortunate that he didn't go with her, though, because, you know, everything doesn't work out too well for him. Because one day in late December 1902, the adopted daughter, Jenny Olson, runs to the neighbor's house, and she's like, come quickly, you have to come help us. And the neighbors run over to the house, this farmhouse with, you know, this recent widow. and Or, sorry, they don't know that yet. Never mind. Gosh, that weed was good. Yeah. So they get to the house, and um, they find Belle, like, sobbing over, their, over her husband. And he's just sprawled in the kitchen dead. And everybody's like, that's really weird. You know, like, these fires keep kind of following her. You know, um, I believe one of her children had already died at this point. Everybody's just like, oh, that's weird. So they question her, and she says that he was standing in the kitchen, and then a meat cleaver fell off a shelf, (laughs) hit him on the head. Happens all the time. And, I mean, like, his head was smashed in. So 
Um, you know, the detectives, they're kind of suspicious, and they order this inspection, because the coroner did find strychnine in his system, yet again. But for some reason, still no charges. It's the early 1900s. I guess just science wasn't quite, quite where it was at. You know, they didn't use it as a legal... As a understanding gravity... If his head would beat in, that's a hell of a meat cleaver. I mean... <laughs> the yeah. cops are like, we're kind of suspicious about that. That looks like it was hit a lot. Gravity, it sir. Was, it was, it oh, was very weird. Sense. But he had strychnine. Like he's a know. witch. Get rid of him. <laughs> so six months later, Belle gives birth to a son from his her now deceased husband, and uh, that is Philip. Um, during this time, for some reason, there's this rumor going around town that the adopted daughter had told a schoolmate that her mom had killed her dad. Um, and not to tell anybody, but, you know, like, she's scared. And, um, but still no charges on anything going on. And Belle actually got another about $80,000, I believe, from um, the husband's death. So that's in addition to the 217000 from the other fires. Right, so if you're a murderer she's... in, like, the late 1800s, yeah. and you get caught, you're the worst fucking murderer of all time. you got to be the dumbest motherfucker to get right. not that's get what caught. I'm about Right. Why were you not coming, jumping on trains? When we want to go across the country, think about how slow trains ran back then. You know what I mean? You could jump on a train. Right. So now... Like a hobo. <laughs> Peter Gunness is now dead. I just wanted to clear that up. It's not a, a regular bunch of money. Um, And now what she starts doing is they used to have these things called the Lonely Hearts columns. And they were in newspapers. And so she starts putting out ads in the local Lonely Hearts columns... Um, throughout the Midwest. Once again, look at her picture. Yes. And then remember, she's putting out ads for her, for JJ. Yes. She's selling it. Basically. And um, all of a sudden, one day, um, during this, you know, and during these ads, like, men show up. And I don't really know how many of them. There's no distinct number, because it's not like she kept a visitor's record. It's not like she has neighbors nearby that saw every single visitor. Or like a and sign, it, or like a guest Even if book. somebody doesn't come home from going to see her, that's not necessarily, you know, people, it's not like they had instant contact with everybody. It would take three months to know somebody was missing, you know, if you were in the right place. It was all by letter. So she's, you know, some guys are showing up and not ever showing up anywhere else. That's all. So um, during this time, also, she starts telling everybody that this adopted daughter, Jenny, was sent off to a finishing school of some kind for girls. You know, so she kind of wipes her hands of that problem. <clears throat> so um, there was a brother of this one suitor. The, the suitor's name was Andrew. And Andrew's brother, I think his name was like Elsley, Esley, something like that, um, Esley wasn't hearing from him anymore. Like I said, there were letters, you know, sent back and forth. So this, this brother was like, no, I haven't heard from him in a while. And he writes her. He's like, where's my brother? And she's like, oh, I don't know who you're talking about. He never showed up. I never met him. And he, he's not buying it. So he's like, no, I'm coming out there. But that takes a long time. So we will come back to that. Everything takes a long time in the past. Yeah. That's the, whole, that's the whole thing, man. Yeah. So during this time, she hires a farmhand and, like, a local handyman. And their names are Ray and Joe. And Ray is, like, 11 years younger than her, and she's beautiful, and he's all stuck on her and jealous of her. And he um, he's jealous of her suitors. and um, But they have a weird relationship where she's always she's always saying that he's bothering her, that he's like creepy and harassing her and he's telling she's telling people that. And he but she's not firing him. So, you know, rumor has it that he was always like, I know what you're doing. 
so don't, you know, you can't fire me. So they had this love-hate relationship. And then Joe just kind of minded his own business and did stuff around the house, but he did notice, like, suitors showing up and never seeing them again. But again, he doesn't, he doesn't know, you know, he doesn't sleep in her room or anything. So one night, <clears throat> um, Joe wakes up, it's like four in the morning, and the house is on fire, and he runs outside. And he's like, oh shit, the kids. So he starts running around the house, and he's checking the windows in the bedrooms, and all the bedrooms are empty, and he can't run back in, because he just happened to have noticed that today he helped carry in groceries, and one of the things that you know, Gunnis had bought was a giant can of kerosene. So he doesn't want to <laughs> run in there because he knows it's, like, super flammable. Right. So um, everybody shows up uh, to put the fire out, and it's such a weird coincidence because right at this time, guess who shows up? The brother. The brother of the missing suitor. And Esley's like, where's my brother? And he's going around. He's like, this is bullshit. The house is clearly on fire because she knew I was coming, and we just searched the property up and down. And all they have found so far are three children's bodies, which they assumed to be the three children that had not died. Because she also had collected insurance money on two children somewhere in there. Like, it's crazy how much money. And then, but her own kids. That was the other thing that I didn't want to spoil, is she killed her own kids. for. And it's not like, I know that there are crazy mental health issues, and I mean, like, self-esteem issues with men that the women are dating, where they have hurt their own children. This is like the 1850s, and like, she just did it straight up for money. Like, that was cold. That's cold-blooded. Yeah, it was It was fascinating. So, anyway, so they, they're like, oh, no, the kids didn't make it out, and they must have been trying to get out. And then they find this other body with no head. Yeah. And they never found the head. It's very weird. They find this body, and the coroner looks at the body, and then they find this dental bridge. So it's not real teeth. It's a falsy, basically, that you could take in and out. But it was confirmed to be... Uh, Bell Gunnis's bridge and they're like well it's right next to this adult body so that must be the mother trying to save her children and they all died you know like oh that is so sad but Andrew's brother is like no I am not buying this bullshit and he turns to Joe and he's like who else works here where do you guys like where does she hide things or no where does she dig for cinders which is I don't totally understand but he knew to ask that so they'd start looking under this hogs pen and they found it was crazy they found 12 different bodies, including, unfortunately, Andrew's brother, who had been decapitated and dismembered and packed in sour fla- uh, flour sacks. And they found the missing daughter, who was supposed to be at the finishing school. And they found just, like, 10 other whole bodies that were not ever, like, nobody ever came looking for them. They were eventually ID'd, I guess, but... Just crazy amount of bodies. And then throughout the whole fields and stuff, they start finding little remnants of bodies. And so... Serial killer is just so lazy. I mean, think about it. Like, she's literally burying things on her property. Because I mean, it was the 1900s. She lived on a farm. Pigs ate stuff. And it was... It was she got away. And she, you know, people were suspicious. Like, there were bankers who were suspicious. Because she... She got all this money from the insurance, but she didn't always put it all into her own accounts. She would come in and make deposits on behalf of her handyman, and they would be really large amounts of money for handymen, especially, right. you know, and they did notice that. There were comments, I guess, but nobody really could say anything because it's not illegal to make a deposit on behalf of your employee, I guess, in those days. 
Seems inappropriate now. Anyways, but they decided, they're like, this is a woman. She didn't get away with this by herself. And so they go to the guy, the handyman that had a crush on her this whole time, Ray. Or, yeah, Ray LaPierre. So Ray LaPierre um, goes to trial for murder, not for arson. They decide that he killed those bodies. And um, during the trial, he admits, he's like, look, I helped her hide bodies. But that crazy bitch killed everybody by herself. She would just come get me. I didn't know. I mean, eventually I started knowing, but like, it's not like I was in on it. And so she would give them food. She'd always invite them in, give them snacks and coffee. She'd put strychnine in their coffee. She'd hit them in the head with a meat cleaver. And from there, when they're unconscious, she would just alternate between like burying them throughout the field or feeding them to the hogs, or using these cinder dugouts. I don't totally, I don't know, Google that, whatever. And he's like, but I did not kill them. And they're like, bullshit, a woman didn't do this by themselves, by herself. You know, she's still just, I mean, she's a six foot five, beautiful, amazing, capable woman for the time, but she is still a woman. So they're like, no. Then years later, still, there's so What's much What's the prosecution more. say? Well... She is a woman, everyone. Yes. I'm like, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> she didn't do woman. that by herself. So he's dying, still in prison, and he he makes a deathbed confession. So, I, I mean, I really do believe his story. He's like, listen, not only did I help her hide the bodies, but I really didn't know about that, but I have to tell you that a couple days before the big fire that killed everybody in the house, um, she had sent me off to Chicago to pick up this new housekeeper that I was that she had just hired. And like he came back and brought her back and like that night she killed her. And he, it was very clear she told him after she killed her that her plan she's like I'm going to use the body. She decapitated the head because she knew the teeth marks would be the only thing really back then that she'd have to kind of worry about. And that way they they didn't know for sure it wasn't her basically. And so they just kind of talked to I mean, what other adult would they suspect to be in the house? So he's like, I swear to God, she faked her death. That's really what happened. And, um, <clears throat> I mean, they didn't believe him, and it didn't really matter because he was dying anyways. But years later, they did do DNA tests on the body, and there was never any conclusive evidence that there was any match between her. I don't know what they tested, though, because... They never found anybody else that was confirmed right. to be her. Right, who could they possibly yeah. test it However, this shit still keeps going. Um, in 1931, there was a woman. Her name was Elizabeth Carlson, and she died in Los Angeles. But she died in jail while awaiting trial for poisoning some guy um, with strychnine specifically. So she happens to look very, very, very much like um, Bella Gunnis. And on top of that, she Sexy. happened to have, like, a picture of three kids who looked very, very, very much like the three kids who died in the house fire. Oh, and they did, he also admitted that she had drugged her children to make sure they didn't get out of the house fire. Yeah. She didn't drug the handyman, That makes fucked up. That is pretty messed up. But once again, what I've learned from here is that if it's in the late 1800s, if you had trapped back in time, hustling is the way to make some money. It was a murder. Yeah, insurance fraud. Yeah, murder was a bit much. Did you hear about the um, the room that she had of all the victims? They all had chests of like clothes and belongings. So she had a whole room full of chests that these men have brought, and she just would throw them in this fucking room, and they just kept collecting. And they were of all the victims. That's why um, they think that she killed like you know 
over 20 people because they found different Yeah, well, they th- I think the final count, they estimate anywhere between 14 and 42. Yeah. It's, 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 they aren't really sure because yeah, that's how hard. many different body pieces they found, and they're pretty sure that there's body pieces where they're like, these are clearly two different people, but they can't necessarily eliminate all of them. Yeah. That reminds that's me of Arsenic and Old Lace. It's a movie about yeah. two women who kill guys with... Uh, Poison. Arsenic. Arsenic, yeah. It's the it, was, it was in the title. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, but, they, but then they bury the him around the house. Black Widow, though. I mean, 1859. I don't yeah. know of anyone earlier than that. And she Cleopatra. Cute, they, they called her that, though. Huh? Cleopatra was pretty bad. But they didn't call her that. I mean, yeah, they actually called... That was one of her nicknames. They called her Lady Bluebeard and Hell's you know, Bells. Weird. Yeah, she had a lot of nicknames for some reason, after the fact. And everybody was very suspicious of her in that town. It was Laporte. That's a huge bitch. Indiana. She killed all the men. <laughs> Do you know America has more serial killers than anywhere else in the world? I can... Really? I would say that's it. A lot of these places don't report or don't understand that they have serial killers loose. Like, some of the worst serial killers are in, like, South America, where these people get along for... 30, 40 years just killing kids because the police are too fucking stupid or too corrupt. So, and like Russia has credible serial killers that kill a lot of people because they just, they don't pay attention. So, yeah. But if you don't killer, know about them, are they really serial killers? <laughs> if if you a serial killer falls and they don't. Yeah, yeah, to a certain degree. Like, yeah, I'm sure there's people out in the middle. It goes back to communicative technology. You know what I mean? It's, it goes back to, if they all had a flip phone, we know everything that's going on everywhere. But, uh, I don't know, so, it's crazy. If she had not killed people and just done something else, like it, it you know, that would have been a very pimp story for her time, like, because chicks didn't do stuff like that. Especially big chicks like that. Right. Oh, shit. Well, no, but she was beautiful for her time. So, I don't know. It's weird. Well, that was but good. Look that was up really, her pictures. Look yeah, definitely look up the picture. Sure. It's a really interesting story. That was a really good poll. Good job. Thank you. Yeah, so. Uh, I kind of want to go to you because um, your serial killer, James, is pretty much in that same time frame that Bell Gaines, maybe okay. a little bit later. Yeah. So and that's also a really good fucking one. And people, a lot of people know H.H. H. Holmes. Maybe. Yeah, people know And H. she lived in Chicago for a short while. Well, yeah. that's the thing. People know H.H. H. Holmes specifically because of the murder hotel. And uh, there are two parts of H.H. H. Holmes that I learned. I learned a lot about H.H. H. Holmes today, or at least I reiterated a lot of the things I knew. Number one, there is a story about who H.H. H. Holmes was, who, which is super fascinating, which is, but it's not 100% true. He didn't kill hundreds of people in the bottom of his hotel. But they have guaranteed that he's killed at least 14 known people, and a lot of them, and then some of them in that hotel. And he did make, like, a hotel that was, like, super crazy, like the Winchester Mansion, you know, where there's doors and stairs that go to nowhere, and... You know, he did have rooms that he could fill gas in and everything. Yeah, they, the rooms were, they looked crazy, but they were built with purpose. Yeah. And he was really, he was really uh, fencing merchandise. That's all he was. When he started out, he was generally just uh, a small-time insurance fraud hustler. He would steal things. and He got arrested at some time stealing horses and everything. But along the way, when things in- inconvenienced him... He usually killed him. He dated, uh, so the way he got the, the, uh, murder castle in the first place was that he was in downtown Chicago and he had bought a, uh, department store or, uh, 
same mom and pop like brick and mortar type location and he had the hotel built across he had it built on the lot across the street uh one of the first people he killed was the wife of one of the managers of the store who lived in the murder castle because they were having an affair and he told everybody well i was trying to give her an abortion and it got botched but he did that again with another one of his housekeepers and everything um, but he... Was abortion legal back then? Well, at the time, he was, um, pretending to be a doctor. Yeah. And he's just like, I'm a doctor. And yeah. people are like, he's a doctor. Yeah. And people accept shit, man. No, I know. That's all well, He looks like a doctor, so, and he's white, he so I'm pretty sure he's a doctor. Paper and ink, you yeah. know what I mean? Right, that's, well, and that's just what people could do back then. That's crazy. But he, and he did, and he was just, he was good at, he was good at hustling, you know. But he, he uh... He came to Denver. He had three families. He had three wives. Two in Chicago uh, and one in Denver. And uh, he, what really got him, he, he killed a bunch of people along, he still killed a bunch of people along the way, but what really got him is he tried to kill one of his partners. One of his partners who was in the scam with him. And they had set up that he was going to... Uh, they were going to fake his partner's death, and he was going to get the insurance money from it, and then they were going to split it. Well, A.J. Holmes decided, well, that works, or I could just fucking kill this guy, and I keep will and keep, keep, keep all the insurance money. <laughs> and so he did, and then what it turns out is that guy had a wife and kids, and they were like... They must have been in on the scam, too, that they knew that he was going to fake his death. So they started asking him, like, well, where, when's he going to come home? And A.J. Tome was is like, listen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take you there to him, but I'm also I'm going to put the kids with somebody that I trust to watch. But he just carted the kids all around the country. He killed them. He uh, killed... Why did he cart them around the country first? Because he's just fucking weird. Yeah, okay. he was uh, under the guise of um, they're taking the family to see their dad, and yeah. they had to have some sort of, like, proof. And so he would have the kids send letters back to their family, like, this is where we are. Right. To try to kind of throw off the scent a little bit. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, one of the fucking horrible things, like, he killed one of the little boys and stuffed them in an oven. Like, yeah. Alive and killed him that way, or just after? No, like stuffed his body into oh. an oven. Yeah, I mean it's still awful. Don't get me wrong, but he's more of a Walter White than anything else. He's really he just if something gets in his way, a pregnant woman that he's having an affair with, anything else, he literally kills it, and you know. Okay, so but, sorry. Anyway, so he's carting the kids around, and he, he, he ends up killing all of them, and then he takes his new wife that he met in Colorado. Back to his old wife and son in Indiana or Chicago, I forget where it was, and he told her that he told them that he had amnesia for the last six years. Oh, he really was Walter White. <laughs> yeah, and he uh, he's like, and I married this woman because she was the one who helped me start getting my memories back and everything. And they're like, oh, that's okay. We're just so happy to have you back. And then that's what he he was actually. He'd gotten away with a lot of murders, but it was him killing his partner that really got it. The disappointing thing to me about that was that he wasn't there during the Chicago World Fair, and there weren't a lot of murders that happened there. But what happened, and part of the reason that we all know him, is he's named the country's first serial killer. They called him um, 
the American Ripper was another name that they called him. But it was press sensationalized. You know, they started telling every story. They're like, every, they're like, every piece of ash was a burned up person. So, so many people rushed that hotel. Like, they said in one month they had like 45,000 visitors just to see it because even then, even when it's the first serial killer, people are like, man, I want to change, check out this murder castle. But it got destroyed. It doesn't exist anymore. But it would be cool. Yeah. I picked him because I'm like, if I'm going to kill a bunch of people, I want to have them be freaked out first. But it turns out that not that many murders that he did happen in that castle. So that was a disappointment to me. Hmm. So there, uh, one of the things that H.H. H. Holmes did, so, you know, you were, like you said, he was a grifter. He fucking got yeah. a lot of insurance money. Yeah, he killed but a lot of that shit. But he would also, some of his victims he would cook in a, in a furnace. Oh, yeah, yeah. But a bunch of other ones he boiled down to bones and sell their skeletons to medical schools. And so, and they paid really well for these skeletons. And so he made a buttload of money and they didn't question. They thought he was just like grave robbing. Right. But he's fucking killing these people, boiling them down, setting them off and getting paid for that shit. Yeah. Wow. yeah. So he's a, he's a hustler. He did all this before 35 because he was either killed nine days before or nine days after his 35th birthday. So it's, Self-made man. Yeah. Self-made uh, businessman. Yeah, something about the, eight, uh, the late 1800s and the early 1900s. Insurance fraud and hustling it's seems Victorian so Victorian repression. Right. <laughs> you think it was the, um, the journalism around Jack the Ripper? Because that was such a sensational story looking back in history to that time, but it was a sensational story. Do you think that kind of propelled the same kind of fervor in America when they started having the H.H. H. Holmes and the sure. know, those kind of era. Yeah, well, and of I think it's like somebody read it in the paper and they're like, "Oh, we're doing this now? Okay, I'm I'll, I'm doing it too." Right. Well, I think papers I I think that they sell. You know what I mean? And you're going to pick the most interesting story, you know. They're like, "Hey, Martha over here is going dandelions for the fifth year in a row and she's an award winner." And I'm like, "But over here a snake ate six kids." And you're like, "Well, I'm going to write a story about the snake that ate six kids and take a picture of Martha's dandelion and have it at the bottom. So I think the sensationalization, I think the newspaper people tried it and the people loved it and they said that's what we wanted to hear and they just carried right over to America like the Beatles did. They're like, yeah, tell us more about murders, <laughs> you know. We love serial killers here in yeah. good old America in 19... 19- 1910. Yeah, we don't like American. hearing about descriptions of war deaths unless they were. But wasn't that crazy lady in New Orleans? Oh, yeah, the one they that based that American earlier, Horror right? Story on. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's right about that time. Yeah. Um, you can actually visit her house where she fucking tortured all these people and shit. Yeah. My wife just went there. You can actually. Really? You can, well, really? she didn't go to the actual museum, but they offered the tour. Ooh. Yeah, and you can see her um, grave, I think, in that big graveyard with Nick Cage's pyramid. Nick Cage's Pyramid. We, we saw... <laughs> yeah, I took a picture. I put it onto the, the page. We Nick Cage's Pyramid. We by the one that it's in, I think, but we didn't get to go in. Yeah, it was too late. We drank a lot. Yeah, that's what New Orleans does. So tell us about Samuel Little. You've picked the newest, maybe oldest serial killer. He's the, well, he's the fresh new one. Well, actually, I'm just going to talk a little bit about Samuel Little, but uh, I really... Uh, there's uh, so many serial killers out there um, I had trouble narrowing it down. So um, I chose Richard Ramirez as my main serial killer. Um, I could have chose Edmund Camper, 
If you guys have seen the Mindhunter show, he's a real big fucking serial killer. And not a lot of people know about him, but that dude was straight up evil. Right. Um, they call him the co-ed killer, and he would cut heads off his victims and bury them in his mom's uh, flower garden. So they were watching his mom. Like, he would... Uh, after, this is after fucking the, the skulls, of course. Um, so he did it because uh, he hated his mom. And so he fucking killed all these people, cut their heads off, and put, buried them because he hated his mom. And then he f- eventually killed his mom. Weird. But what's interesting about Edmund Kemper is... That he was extremely talkative when the FBI came to uh, interview him. Um, talk about like what are his motivations, you know, what was causing him to kill. And he was very, very talkative to the FBI, so much so that modern profiling is based off of his interviews that he's had with the FBI. So if you haven't read the, the book Mindhunter about the real um, the profiling of interviewing of these serial killers and coming up with profiling, um, it's definitely a worthwhile book. Isn't it sure. interesting, because now that speaking of that, uh, the Jinx, did you ever see the Jinx yeah. with Robert Oh, that was crazy. Blake, Robert Blake, who was, a, who was a, yeah. a, a serial killer. He killed people in New York, and you got him on TV, and he started referencing, almost like he admitted doing it, much like they had to trick uh, Jeffrey Dahmer. What eventually got Jeffrey Dahmer was they would try to convince him they're like, yeah, but if that's fine, you didn't do it, but you 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 do study things like this. So how would you how how do you think they did it? And he'd be like, oh, right. my theory is. The, yeah. It's so He's funny you said that because that's that's how Edmund Camper was caught because he was a huge um, friend of the cops. Like the cops would tell him everything because he was drinking beers with cops, and right. so they would tell him how the investigation's going. So. He, when he killed his, the last person, which was his mom and his mom's friend, he drove all the way out to Pueblo, Colorado, but nobody realized that he was killing all these people. And he got so upset that nobody knew that he was the killer that he fucking called in himself like, you dumb motherfuckers, I'm killing all these people, like, come and get me. Um, so, yeah, that was good, a good point there. Amy Kimber is a really fascinating serial killer, um, but there's also uh, this guy named Dean Coral out of Texas. They call him the Candyman, which is creepy as fuck, because he owned a candy store, um, and he um, lured boys. Like he hired these two neighborhood kids to lure boys in to his apartment, and he would get them super fucking stoned, and then he would tie them up to this torture board, and then fucking torture these kids for you know matters of days before killing them. And then he had a van, a torture van and shit, um, but. Eventually, one of the two kids that were bringing all the victims to him uh, killed him because he was trying to attack one of his friends, and so he ended up killing him. But like Dean Coral is straight up evil, but I don't think a lot of people know about him. Yeah. Um, but like I said, I chose Richard Ramirez because that dude is a straight up evil story. Uh, he drove fear into the heart of Los Angeles in the late seventies, early eighties. Uh, he paralyzed the whole fucking town. Uh, and if you know how big Los Angeles is, you know, that's a pretty crazy uh, feat. So, uh, Rich Ramirez, he's known as the Night Stalker. There's another show code called the Night Stalker, which is now known as the Golden State Killer. Uh, but Rich Ramirez is mostly known as the Night Stalker, and that's related to he would break into people's houses and sit and wait in closets, waiting for people to fall asleep, and then he would come out and then just start fucking killing people. So... Uh, 
he grew up in a really weird fucking um, situation. Uh, he was mostly raised by his uncle, who was a Vietnam veteran. He was a Green Beret in the Vietnam War. Right. And he brought back all these pictures of all these uh, Vietnamese people that he killed and tortured. And he gave all these uh, pictures to Richard Ramirez. And that's when he like really became obsessed with death and torture. And then his uncle ended up killing his aunt right in front of him. So from at the age of 12... He's already seeing all these dead bodies and, it, and his aunt get killed. And so when he grew up, he just had that fetish of he was a, a sexual predator where he got off by killing people. So uh, let's see. His first murder was of a, a little girl that was in the apartment building of where he lived. And he tied her body to the pipes of the underneath. Oh um, and then... His next victim, he started getting into mutilating bodies. This is not a, f- a fun story, so like I told you before, this is not um, comedic stuff, but uh, he started dismembering bodies, and he fucking poked her eyes out and put it in her jewelry box. I mean, this guy's like straight up fucking Gross. evil, yeah. And he, now you know why the whole city is being is paralyzed, basically, because of this guy, because he's fucking evil. Um, in 1985, he committed his first machete murder. So he bought a machete, went into a house, and hacked a couple to death. Uh, and he fled to San Francisco, and he killed another person up did. there. Yeah. So he's, he knows that people are kind of on his trail, because I, I mentioned before that he was not very organized, which a lot of serial killers are very organized. This guy just kind of had a, um, impulses and would kill on impulse. Um, so he fled to San Francisco, killed somebody up there, but the detectives instantly recognized it as the Night Stalker pattern. So he was able to link it up and said, hey, this guy's up here. So they were starting to track this guy. Um, he, the, he was getting so hot that he went to Arizona to try to get away. Um, but in the meantime, one of his victims, they were able to get a description of a car from Richard Ramirez. And so they were starting to identify him. And then he went back to L.A. because he's a fucking idiot. And, you know, he killed a couple more people, but he left even more clues. And eventually uh, they put an APB out on him and he goes into a convenience store and is identified by two old ladies. And these ladies get together a mob and he's taken down by a mob of people. Um, but what's interesting about him, so he gets arrested, he's put on trial and he's eventually convicted of, I think it's 13, 11 count, no, 13 counts of murder, uh, five counts of attempted murder. Uh, but during the trial, he becomes a celebrity. And this okay. is, you know, Ted Bundy became a celebrity, but as did Richard Ramirez, because he's not a bad looking dude. Yeah, women um, really. But, yeah, dug him yeah they dug him. They, women were lining yeah. up out of the court trying to get in, and they were sending him naked pictures and shit. Um, he ended up marrying one of these pen pals that he made. I mean, he was a bona fide celebrity. They have made tons of books about him, a bunch of movies. Uh, Lou Diamond Phillips of Young Guns fame played him in a movie. But this dude, you know, you have to leverage that. But this guy is fucking brutal and evil. But, you know, women are falling in love with this motherfucker. He's cutting people's eyeballs out, but women fucking love him. And that's kind of going along with this theme of, like, why are people so fascinated about it? So, right, people I, are fooled by love. People love are fooled by love. Love is a trick on all these and. Yeah, and being a hustler. That's what that's all about. Well, I'll tell you what. I think that uh, this is one our longest show ever. So congratulations. We kicked its ass. Um, And I... uh, 
I like serial killers. What? I mean, not like I want to hang out with serial killers. I liked it as a subject. Like, yay for a good subject on serial killers. <laughs> so, um, but Dave did write down a bunch of shit that I think I'm supposed to read or we're supposed to talk about. No, we, we can skip all that because we talked about it. It's all the serial killer, like, you know. No, are you talking about, like, uh... I lost James in the outline. Yeah, like next week about our next week show. Oh, yeah. Right? yeah. So, that's great. Let's talk about next week. Alright, so, um, yeah, so our next week is our first Halloween show with our special guest, Chris Pace. So I've known Chris for a really long time. He's a uh, former uh, podcaster. Uh, He was on uh, Fox News quite a bit, not like the shitty Fox News, but he was doing like a bunch of live remotes and stuff promoting Qdoba. So um, he's a good dude, but knowing that he's very... uh, learned about a bunch of different things, especially like Halloween, horror movies, um, um, scary books and shit. So he's a good talk and he talks a lot. You want to know somebody who can fucking just talk for an hour straight. This guy talks a lot, but he's really interesting when he talks. Nice. Nice. I'm excited. And then, uh, two weeks, the season finale and the triumphant return of Chris. And, uh, I like that. I'm excited. It'll be neat. Um, It'll be interesting because we added Nancy since he's been gone, and uh, I think you've more than solidified your spot at the roundtable. Yeah, I think, but I think it's going to organize. I think it's going to play out well. I think we're going to get some good seating. We're getting that going, and part of that is uh, talking about what well we're looking at season two. Just a quick summary: we're we're going to look at upgrading the studio, uh, putting on more uh, while over the time off. We're going to put out more content in between Season 1 and Season 2. It just won't necessarily be this. It's not going to be us sitting around and discussing in the same kind of way, but it will be a different version of content coming from the people who you enjoy listening to, which is us. And you know, just Yeah, we, one of the cool things is that you know, we're trying a bunch of different things. So right. we have some really cool, some really fun ideas coming up. Right. Um, I keep saying this because I'm excited to take you to your first heavy metal concert. That'll be very interesting. Yeah, it will be very interesting. I can't wait to do like a Facebook Live spot there and uh, just kind of see your reaction through the night because it's heavy metal. It's real heavy metal. Interesting. That's going to be fun. I'm sorry I can't. That's all right. You should come. Why not? You can come. (laughs) When is it? It's in December, like December 5th or something like that. It's down the road. There's plenty of time. There's plenty yeah, of time. So yeah, sure. yeah, we are, yeah. So maybe. maybe. Yeah. We'll see. Maybe Chris goes too. We see what's all out there. But yeah, that's going to be content like that, including the content of redesigning the room and everything. You, I'm going to go and see that concert with Dave, which will be, I think it'll be really funny. I think it'll be really interesting. We'll get super blazed. Um, we're going to have some guests next season. You know, Tony P is going to start off the, uh, the season. He's going to be our first guest. We're going to, we're gonna have Tony out here, and he Tony runs a thousand different things. If you've watched something online or listened to any podcast that Dave or I have ever been on before, it was ran or worked on by Tony or myself. Um, Mike Santori, maybe, yeah, maybe there's a possibility. If Mike's in, we can either a get him out here or b get him on a better audio. Yeah, get him on Skype. Yeah, that's pretty funny. Last week, because we kept saying like it's going to sound like Charlie Brown's yeah. teacher, and then it literally sounded like Charlie Brown's teacher. It did, it did. But you got some of the words, you know. That I think I I think we can get a better audio on that. That would work out. Um, the Harry Ma- the Harry Potter the Harry Supreme. Man, the Harry Man, 
The Harry Potter Nerd Supreme. Interesting. Is that somebody who knows a lot about Harry Potter? Oh, yeah. Courtney is a... So, I have a, a good friend, Courtney, who uh, I've known for many, many years. She is a graduate of the Second City Academy in Chicago. Um, she loves Nine Inch Nails, so her and I obviously bonded over that. But she is Harry Potter Nerd Supreme. She knows everything about Harry Potter and I'm a huge Harry Potter nerd. I'm actually listening to the audiobooks again right now. Mm. Um, Which book are you on? I'm on the second one. I started over again. Chris uh, has never seen the end of Harry Potter. Chris can't even... If you're Chris and you're listening from around the world, stop listening right now. We have to talk about this right before you go. <laughs> and, uh, you have to put another timestamp in, yeah, Chris. The, the, specifically not. for Chris. Chris, skip forward to this time right. that James says right now. Right. So... Yeah, Chris is not... He's gone all the way up to the Deadly Hollows. Or the Deathly Hollows. The Deathly Hollows, yeah. And he never read it. He, like, <sighs> maybe part two... Yeah. I, you know, the movies were two parts. The book was one part. And I kept trying to tell him, I was like, here's the thing about Deathly Hollows. Here's the goddamn truth. I'm like, they camp for a very, very, very long time, and then everyone fights. And he's like... I don't know, he just hasn't. And I find that weird, and he doesn't want to get spoiled by that. <laughs> Is there a time limit, Dave, where you... Dude, the time, limit's time limit The books have been out for yeah. fucking 15 years. The movies have been out for 12 years. So right. if he doesn't know by now, then who the fuck? Right. Is Edward and Bella, like... Thank you. Yeah. But I, I also know, as, you know, his sister-in-law, I guess, I gotta... He's a smart kid. <sighs> the, the, the tough thing is that, like, you would think that he would just figure out what's going to happen at the very end of the books. So that'll be interesting. He's gonna uh, not too much of a tangent. He's gonna have to read that book before the Nerd because, Supreme comes you know, on here. I think we would have a really good time talking Harry Potter. This is the perfect kind of uh, conversation that goes well with weed. Harry right. Potter talk because it's fun. It's go. a fun topic. Like he's far enough. We're at Luna Lungo's house at the wedding. That's that's where he's at the book. So we'd have to stop that talk there. Everything after the wedding never happened. So um, Courtney Gunn. Yeah, and she's also... She's, oh, she that's worked, a comma. No, I was, it was yeah. a great... Well, and Courtney also works in the weed industry, so that's a well-rounded guest. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I just thought they were two different people, but then I was like, why would we have two Courtney's <laughs> on here? Um, we're going to have an episode with a couple of old-school smokers and much more. Um, and then I read that part at the beginning. So, I love... This is my favorite part, is when Dave has a bunch of stuff at the end. All right, so if you want to listen to us, thank you. This was a, this was a, another experimental episode. I liked I liked both the stories. They you guys knew way, way more about your guy than I knew about. That's my, us. That's kind of our role in this. Yeah, but I but I did a good ten thousand foot overview. Yeah, you, you, you did a good job. Yeah, yeah, I I did. You, you guys both killed it. So, ha. And uh, pun intended. Uh, see what I did there. Killed All it. All right. All right, well, so, if you want to get a hold of us, get a hold of us at Twitter at Mile High Pod. Nope, that's not it. If you want to get a hold of us, get a hold of us at Twitter at High Podcast. If you want to get a hold of us on Instagram at Mile High Podcast. Our emails are redbeard at milehighpodcast.net, james at milehighpodcast.net. And, and Nancy at milehighpodcast.net. There you go. Ah, yeah. oh. I sent and, you the link to your email. I don't know if you got that. And the Mile High Podcast at gmail.com is another email we have. Subscribers, you can go to Vimo. Venmo. <laughs> it's Still Venmo. Vimo. It's Mile High Podcast uh, there. Uh, and we're going to set up all the sponsorship and subscription ship for next season. Oh, uh, yeah. 
And then, did you want to uh, do the last page? I don't know. It's up to you. You're the host, man. You know what? Yeah, you can do the last page. Give us a give us a quick uh, nerd news, and then we'll uh, say our goodbyes. What's your nerd? All right, news, my Dave? quick nerd news is that uh, astronomers from the University College use the Hubble Space Telescope to find water in the atmosphere of an Earth-like planet, 110 light years away. So it's the first time our instruments have been able to find water, and where there is water, there is life. That is my nerd news for this week. That's interesting. Why can't we build? Is it propulsion? Why are we out there? It's it like costs too much. It's too heavy to get stuff out there. Yeah. Um, and space then, yeah, elevator. And even a space elevator, you can do. Um, there's a bunch of companies looking into it, but you have to get, you have to speed up your craft and in order to get all the fuel right now to get up there. It's just too expensive, um, and we don't have crafts that go fast enough. It'll take us a hundred thousand years to get to the nearest star system. Where it's four years if you're going light speed, but you can't go light speed because Einstein says you can't fucking go light speed. Okay. Well, but well, okay, but yeah, but it would be easier to build with this. Like, isn't the most convenient way to do this is like space elevator? If you're really going to build, are we going to be transporting things up into space, or do you just like shuttle wise, or realistically, uh, just an elevator? Well, I'm sure in order to, uh, you know, far twenty, thirty years in the future, they want to have some sort of like ship, dock, and some sort of feeling station. So you, you're you right. They really have to have some sort of space elevator. It just needs to be... There's a lot of engineering that needs to go into it. So that's right. going to take a very, very long time. But ultimately, that's the only way that you'll be able to, one, monetize space, um, but also be able to um, explore some of the more far-out distances. Like, if you were to have a space station... Um, that can refuel you to go to Mars, you can get there in a lot less time, whereas you have to go up now, you have to carry a bunch of fuel, you have to hook up um, with a different fuel source, and then you have to find out how to get fuel back from Mars. Um, so that takes a really long time. But if you had fuel just stocked up there, right. um, then it'll make space travel that much easier. Mm. Nerd news. Nerd news. Nerd news. Nerd news. All right. News. Well, yeah, tune in next week, and... Uh, we're gonna have a new guest. Somebody we haven't. Somebody I've never met. Which would be neat. I like meeting new people live when I'm really. Yeah, stuff. you guys are both extroverted and chatty as fuck. So, so this will be. Perfect. I don't know if I'll ever be able to get a, a word in. This will be perfect. All right. Well, thank you for listening to the Mile High Podcast. Does anybody have anything to say? No. Uh, have a good uh, week. Thank you to Seven Ten Pipes. Yes. Seven Ten Pipes. Uh, the unnamed bong is fucking cool. So yeah, and, uh, and yeah, make it a vote. We are going to have a vote. No, I know, but, like, make it a real Facebook, like... Yeah, we're going to put a poll on the Facebook page. We're still recording. I didn't hear you clarify that. We need to do that now. All right. That's how hard that's to do right now. We're still recording. We are so bad at closing shows. I just don't want to step on anybody's toes when they close. Because it's like, (laughs) fuck, man. I have to go back and re-record it. All right, so watch me. No. (laughs) Have a good night, guys. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, 710 Pipes. There you go. We're out. Good evening, and welcome to Mile High Podcast. As always, we're your hosts tonight. We'll be telling you tales of drugs, pop culture, and using the word fuck a lot. Now remember, marijuana can be dangerous. Don't hurt yourself or your loved ones. But subscribe.